If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. I think you can open it up. I think it's page 694. And uh, that should be chapter 14. If not, you'll be really near it. Should be in the book of Mark, and you can look down, see a giant number 14. And we're just going to start right there as we pray, as we uh, read today. And uh, we're going to read down to about verse 26. So a great passage. I really wish I could preach it all, but just don't have the time today. Uh, so if you're able, I don't do this often, but if you're able, would you stand to receive the gospel. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them at any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owners of the house he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It's one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank all, they all, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day, when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the written word of God, spoken and preached to the people of God. 
May the Holy Spirit use it to lead us into the presence of the living Word of God, who is Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you know, we have the table here and you've heard the passage read about the Last Supper. And uh, so you know where we're heading to communion, okay? Now, we're going to do something just a little bit different today. I know, that shocks you. Um, um, but I, I want us to, to do a couple of things at once. Are you guys okay with multitasking a little bit today? Is that okay? Um, first of all, I'll just say, I, I, and in just a second, the ushers are going to come, and they're going to pass the plates today. And I'm going to kind of go through some of the scholarly stuff as we do that. So you're going to need to listen and and take bread and cup. And here's what I want to I want to say to you today. I always say this, that this is the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, this is not Pastor Jeff's table. It's not the table of the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, It's not any church's table. It is the table of the Lord. And he invites everyone. In fact, we just heard it read that the one who betrayed him was at the table and received bread and cup. So no matter who you are today, I want you to take bread and cup today, okay? And then you're going to hold on to it, all of you. So if you have young kids, you may want to uh, hang on to the juice especially for them uh, for the time being. And uh, there are little cup holders in the back of your pews. You can just fit one of those little cups right in there. So everybody take, okay? You can decide whether you want to eat it or drink it later, okay? But I'd like everybody to at least be ready to receive if the Lord so moves them. Okay? So ushers, would you come? And, uh, and we're going to res- pass all of these out. I think we have enough trays here. And so we'll send these to you guys. And you guys. And you guys. Okay? Good. All right. Now while they do that, go ahead and uh, receive that. That'll be coming to you. I'm going to grab my little clicker here. And we're going to go through some of the things that are happening right now in this passage. And so really what uh, we've been looking at all the way along through all of Mark is we've seen Jesus announcing his kingdom. Mark starts off with telling us that this is good news um, gospel. Now, we think of gospel as a religious word. It's kind of become so synonymous with churches that we think it's a religious word, but actually is a very political word in Jesus' day and age. Whenever the Roman Empire did something good, or the emperor did something good, or something along those lines, the herald of the emperor would come into all the villages and towns, and they would announce euangelion. Listen to the euangelion. That is the the word gospel that is good news and so mark is taking this remember mark is is writing we think to roman christians or roman hopefully soon to be believers and so he uses that word he says the good news of jesus christ the son of god and so he, he says, yes, this is the Messiah. This is the long-awaited one of the Jews. This is the Son of God. He is bringing the kingdom of God. And yet, 
We have seen all through the gospel for all four, 13 chapters so far that this is, a God, this is a kingdom that is different than every other kingdom on the planet. Every kingdom that has ever been, this is different. It's not going to fit into your category of kingdom. And so we have gone all the way through. And now we begin the coronation event. Jesus as as the king, as the one bringing the kingdom, announcing the kingdom, this coronation begins. And we may not get that in this story, but we need to know that, that this is the only time in Mark that Jesus is anointed. And the word Mashiach in Hebrew is the word for anointed one. It is one anointed of oil, but anointed by God uh, to do the work of God. Um, this is something that that when Jewish kings were 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 uh, in their coronation ceremony, they were anointed with oil, not uh, just uh, not just a crown. They were anointed with oil. So there's this coronation event that's going on, and when the king would come in, he would be before the priest, and the priest would anoint him with oil signifying that he is the king. He is the anointed one of God. They did this in place of a crown. And normally it should be a priest that's doing this. But again, this is the kingdom that Jesus is bringing. And it's completely different. And so instead of a well-named high priest who does this, we have an unnamed woman who fulfills the role. She understands. She somehow grasps the significance and the importance of this and assumes the role of high priest for Jesus and breaks this expensive oil perfume over Jesus and anoints Him in the midst of all of this. This kingdom is so different. Now, the disciples, of course, are a little uncomfortable with this, uh, with the brokenness that they miss the significance. Now, it's, it's okay. Everybody kind of does. The disciples have missed it all the way along. They're kind of our stand-in because so often we miss it. And we'll find out that even though this new king, this anointed one, this Messiah is, is now uh, been anointed, even his own people Miss it. We'll see. We end. If you read this chapter during the week, you'll see that by the end of this chapter, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the ones who should have been the one to anoint Jesus are the ones who reject and say no and show really the violence in the system. They show that yes, they are interested in a kingdom, but they are only interested in a kingdom that looks like them. They are only interested in a kingdom that puts them on top and everybody else underneath. And they wind up rejecting. The disciples, they, they get a little uncomfortable uh, with the brokenness that is shown there, and, and they miss the significance. And they, they begin, we, we heard, they begin arguing about the cost of perfume. Now, it was quite a cost. Uh, you know, in most of our translations, it will say 300 denarii. So a denarii is is one day's wage. So we're talking, if you take out Jewish holidays and festivals when no work would be done, we're talking a year's wage or more. I mean, this is this is significant. Uh, anybody here feel led to give their year's salary to Jesus today? 
We'll have the ushers come back. Just let me know. Uh, yeah, you, you, so you see, you know, this is a significant cost, and they begin to argue about that. And, and I find we often argue about money when we're missing the point. It's an easy thing to point to. They begin to, uh, to just get upset. This could have been given to the poor. And Jesus says, the poor you will always have with you. Now, I felt like we have to pause here for a second, okay? Because, oh my goodness, has this passage, this verse been taken so out of context so often. See, Jesus said, you know, so you see somebody, you know, on the side of the road or somebody comes to give money, or wanting money. Oh, well, the poor you'll always have with you. You know, it's okay. No, 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 no. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 15.11, okay? So I, I feel this is so important that we need to read, actually, the passage, okay? Uh, so this is Deuteronomy 15.11. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother and sister, to your poor and your needy in your land. Okay, so when Jesus is quoting just the first part of that, the the... Uh, the intention is that we would understand, those, those disciples would have understand the full context, okay? So he's not just saying, eh, you'll have them with you, um, those kinds of things. No, he's saying, now remember, you will always have the poor in your land. And I command you to be open-handed with them, to be generous to the poor that are around you. That's important. Uh, Christians, we, we need to hear that more often. It is important. I'm so glad that we're a part of a church that, that has a food pantry and, and we hand out bags and I hope you brought bags back with you full of groceries and I appreciate Joyce and Ray who, who kind of shepherd that ministry and help folks with food. It is a part of the kingdom that Jesus brought that the poor are the ones who really get this. They really understand. And, and we are to look for them and we are to be generous. To them, We are to be known as a generous people. Do you believe that? Do you know that? It's part of why we, we take offerings and do those kinds of things. It's a part of the fabric of who we are as Christians. So Jesus is saying that. Now, so what does it mean in this particular case? He is saying that in this one instance... This one instance where she has taken this extravagant sacrifice and broken it open on Jesus, um, this incredible cost of this act that she has done, in this one instance, the significance of his coronation in this moment takes precedence. Okay? He's not saying for all time, as long as you put money in the plate, don't worry about the poor. But he's saying in this one moment... This really takes precedent. This brokenness, this worship really, really matters. And the significance of this woman's sacrifice and crowning of Jesus will be talked about wherever good news is proclaimed. It's interesting, this is one of the stories that's in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have some version of this story. So when the Gospel is proclaimed, We remember this woman. Now here's where I wanted us to come in. So when was the last time that someone or your own worship just felt like it was broken open inside of you? 
I was trying to think of a moment because sometimes those moments don't happen in church, although I wish they happened a little more often in church, that we recognized who it is that we have gathered in their name, who it is that we are worshiping, who it is that we're singing to, who it is that we believe is here present in the midst of us, who it is that gives grace and mercy and peace and forgiveness, and that would do something inside of us that would cause us to be extravagant in our worship. It's not always in those moments, though. And I think sometimes we struggle with this because we don't want to make other people uncomfortable and we don't want to we don't want to be uncomfortable in front of other people. So I began to think of a time when there was just something that broke open in someone and it caused me to to kind of fit in with the disciples and and be a little uncomfortable. I remember I was... I was 17 years old, and we had this thing called Nazarene Youth Congress. Happens every four years. My year, uh, I went to um, to Washington D.C. in July, and we stayed in dorms with no air conditioning. Uh, that's that was fun. Um, but part of it, we went with our district, and we went to see some of the sites in Washington D.C. and we, and we went to the wall. Vietnam Memorial. And Jim was a pastor on our district. Um, I don't remember a lot about Jim. I just remember for some reason he, he pastored the Aransas Pass, Church of the Nazarene, tiny church. He was a Vietnam vet. And as we walked up to the wall, he just began to look almost frantically. He, he was wanting to know, could he find his friend? And and he was looking and he was looking and he was looking and and finally he could see it and it was way up there. And I was uh, way skinnier than I am now. And Jim was a big guy and so he, he picked me up and he put me on his shoulders. And he handed me up a piece of paper and he had come with a piece of charcoal and, and there was just something about he wanted to have that name and he wanted to take it home with him. I know nothing about the story. I know nothing about this man. He was either a friend or someone who had done something so amazing for Jim that he was just there. And as I was on his shoulder and I'm trying to do the rubbing of the charcoal over the paper so it would capture this name, I can just feel this big giant man beneath me just shaking and weeping and crying that he had found his friend's name. And as I got down, I I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Um, I just remember feeling like, wow, there is something so big going on here that I have no, no place to understand how to be there. I just stood in awe. I kind of walked away and gave Jim a little space with his piece of paper as he, as he cried. And he actually fell and kneeled at the wall. It's these kinds of moments that I think is what what Mark writes about with this woman. That something grabbed her on the inside and she knew what was coming and she knew who this man was and the significance of this and she was willing to take a year's worth of wages and break it open and to anoint this one who would give everything for her and for the world. She does this 
unashamedly. I want you to see an alabaster jar. So alabaster jars were made and they put, would put stuff in there and then they would make the jar so that it was completely sealed because you didn't want any of the essence to escape or get out. They didn't have nice vacuum pack sealing like we do today. And so the only way to get into the jar, into what it is, is to break open the top of it. And to pour all the contents out. There's no going back. It's all out. It's all spilled. You can't put it back in the jar. It is so, must be an important place, an important time. Once it's done, you must use it all. And this woman gets this about the kingdom. She understands that Jesus will be broken open. That Jesus will give all of his life for us. And for the world. So it's no surprise then that he takes his 12 clueless ones, pulls them into a room, and gives them something to remind them again and again and again and again. Do this often, do this as often as you're together. When you're eating and drinking something, you should remember, this is what my kingdom is about. My kingdom is a kingdom filled with people who have been taken, captivated, captured by a love so extravagant. They are to be blessed. And we are to be broken people who are then given out for the sake of the world. In the exact same manner like the one who was given on our behalf. This is, this is an extravagant thing. This is something that I, I feel we miss, brothers and sisters, so often. It's something that I, I worry that we've just done so often, or we've done the whole church thing so often that we forget that there was one who was taken and blessed and broken and given all of him given out for us. To show, to show what the extravagant love of God is. And so I wonder, brothers and sisters, when was the last time that you came to Jesus with whatever you keep in your alabaster jar? I'm sure it's not nard perfume. But what about your hopes? What about your dreams? What about your marriages? What about your kids? What about your job, your career, your path? What about your talents and your abilities? What about your intellect? What about your feelings? When was the last time you brought those? Because you recognized who Jesus is and what Jesus has done on our behalf and what this kingdom is all about. And you're willing to say, here it is. It's broken open. It's all for you. Take it and use it however. I want it to be a sweet fragrance upon you, my Lord and my King, Lord Jesus. When was the last time you took your wallet and did that? It is 
the response to those who receive and remember and receive the grace of the one who was taken and blessed, broken and given, and call to remember that you and I are called to be taken and blessed, broken and given. This is the kingdom that Jesus established. This is the kingdom that, yeah, His own folks rejected. Next week we'll see that the coronation continues and Mark, Mark puts us on a Roman parade of victory with Jesus to show that this goes out beyond just Israel. But today, you have, brothers and sisters, been invited into the room with the twelve who never got it. And no matter if you think that you've betrayed Jesus, or you're not sure about Jesus, or if maybe something that was said today just touched somewhere in you like Pastor Jim was touched when he was at the wall. You realize that someone has done something so significant for you and for the world. Maybe you want to take bread and cup. Not just as a reminder, but as empowering to live that way. And I don't know, maybe for some of you, you want to take out your alabaster jar. Break it open. Pour it at the feet of the one who gave everything for you. I don't know what that might be for you, but I invite you to take the bread and the cup, and then we're going to pray. And I just wonder if there are some folks here that as we're praying, they want to give of themselves, like the woman who broke open the jar. And maybe you want to come and kneel. It doesn't have to be for a long time, but maybe just there's something about you that thinks, I need to come. I need to lay everything out before Him. I need to give Him all of those things and maybe some of the other things that even Pastor Jeff didn't mention. We have an old-timey word for this. It's called entire sanctification. It's where we give Jesus everything because we realize Jesus gave everything for us. We ask Him, To come and fill us and empower us to live as people who have been taken and blessed and broken and given out to the world. So take the bread, brothers and sisters. I want you to know that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. That same night, He took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many. So the bread, he's talking about you, you all. He's saying, this isn't just about you, it's about everyone. It's poured out for many. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we are often slow like the disciples. So today I pray that my brothers and sisters might catch a glimpse 
of what you have been willing to give. And I pray, oh God, that we would open our alabaster jars, whatever they are, no going back, giving all that's inside, our hopes, our dreams, our plans, our minds, our feelings, our our hands and our feet in service of the One who was taken and blessed and broken and given on our behalf. Help us not to hold back. But help us to give forward from all that we are, knowing that You will always bless. For we ask this in Jesus' name. There are those among us who are part of the prayer team. If you would like to come now and join and get around someone who is praying, just place a hand on their shoulder so they know they're not alone. We want, uh, we want to pray with folks today. But Lord Jesus, these are the, the ones who, like the woman, are giving their all. So I just believe that you pause And even though it's time to go and we still have offering to take and we've got food to get to and and we might be uncomfortable with what is taking place right now around the altar and we're not sure what we're supposed to do, may we hear your gentle voice saying, don't trouble. What is happening right now is so significant. It takes precedent over all of those things. For what these are doing will be celebrated through all eternity. Help us, O God, to be a church that pours everything out for You because You have held nothing back from us. So we thank You. We praise You. We ask You to keep bringing us to the table to remind us or to re-remind us or to help us continue continually to be reminded that we are called to be taken and blessed and broken and given for many. For we ask all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. I want the ushers to come and wait upon us for God's tithes and our offerings. We give because of the one who was given on our behalf. So we do ask you to be aware. In your bulletin, you see we're a little behind in our giving. I want to encourage you to give. And I pray that God will bless you. As you give, I pray God will bless you even if you can't. But trust. Give. God will be faithful. Ushers, will you receive God's tithes and our offering? One is still praying. and So in a minute, I'm, I'm just going to bless you and let you go. But I want to ask you to be reverent and quiet as you leave. Because um, this is important. This, this takes precedent over everything else. So would you stand quietly? And now may you, may you receive the one who was taken and blessed, broken and given for you and for the sake of many. And I pray that you would have the grace and the strength from God this week to lean in and know that you are called to be taken and captivated by this love. To be blessed by the One who loves you more than you could ever imagine. That yes, we are to be broken people. 
real human beings. That's all it means. And we are to be given out for those around us. I pray that you would dare to lean into that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go reverently. Go quietly. Please.